0: And welcome to this week's Health Tech Hour with me, Steve Roost. Each week, we bring you the best news, views, and interviews with the leaders, clinicians, CEOs, founders who are shaping the face of the healthcare revolution in the UK and beyond. As regular listeners know, I'm a Health Tech founder myself. Um, My company is called Pocdoc. Pocdoc support the show, and we are delivering the full cardiovascular pathway digitally. Um, which is all very exciting. If you'd like to find out more, please go to mypoc.co.uk. Um, As ever at the top of the show, I want to say thank you to the team at UK Health Radio for the live platform. Um, our numbers are really great. We really appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Thanks for all of the questions and the, the comments and everything. Thanks to Johan and his team as well for all of the production support. If you are listening on any of the podcast channels, thank you for downloading it. Uh, It looks like this month's going to be our best month ever. Last month was our best month ever. And and this month has just smashed it. So thank you very much. Also to let you know, all UK health radio shows are available on Spotify. Now Um, we have our own channel health tech hour on Spotify, but we also feature on the UK health radio channels as do all of the other shows on the, on the station, Johan and his team do a fantastic job. So if you head over to the um, UK health radio section on Spotify, you can find all of that stuff. Um, This week, Mark's a return, a return in a big way to the areas of uh, area of women's health. It's been it's been a while since we've dealt with anything specifically in this sector. And I know quite a few people listening have asked us to come back and talk about it, which is which is we're we're really happy to do. Um, We have Dr. Claudia Pastides on who is the director of medical accuracy at Flow Health. Uh, flow health started as an app for women to track their menstrual cycles but now is um, able to do much much more uh, not least because it has 48 million active users per month and has longitudinal data for over 100 million uh, people uh, that they've been tracking for seven years Um, and that enables flow to do some really cool things which we'll get into. But also, I assume we'll figure it out. But I assume it creates quite a puzzle sometimes for the director of medical accuracy to make sure that everyone and everything stays stays on track. So Claudia um, did 12 years in the NHS as a GP, then was one of the early joiners at Babylon Health. Now is at Flow. And in the middle of all of that, she found time to be a TV doctor with ITV. Um, so, quite busy. So Claudia, welcome to the show. How? Are, and also, 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 I will say, award winner. So Claudia and I, full disclosure, um, we met for the first time at the MedTech World Awards back in November in Malta, um, where I was lucky enough to present Claudia with an award. So anyway, Claudia, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Hello, Steve. That was an awesome introduction. Did you mention that I also have three children and a massive dog? I didn't I mention so. that
0: because I didn't know sometimes <laughs> some, sometimes sometimes we've had people who didn't want us to talk about their family, so I kind of wait for someone else to mention uh, it. So fair I, enough. No, no, I didn't want to like the, dox you. I'm
1: introducing them as well. So okay, they are very great. much apart and I partially introduced them because the giant dog is around. And he's normally okay. very good on podcasts and he's very okay. good on meetings and Zoom calls. But if yeah. you hear if you hear a lot of noise, I apologize oh. not, Probably to all, all our,
0: l- to all our listeners, sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah. I can, I can say from experience, Johan loves a bit of background noise when he's trying to, you know, do a live edit. So we're, we're, we, we love that. So, no, no, all good. All good, good. So, look, thanks a lot for coming on the show. It's really good to have you. Um, I think, as I said before the show, I want to try and set the scene a bit to begin with um, a little bit. So I want to set the scene a little bit with flow, and then get into your background as well, because I think was, you've had a really interesting journey to where you are right now. And I think that obviously as more and more and more of our healthcare moves digitally, the role of someone overseeing medical accuracy becomes even more critical um, as these services scale and more uh, and are asked to do more, right? You know, the kind of shift from being a menstrual cycle tracker into all of the stuff that you're doing now is quite a move. Um so just so we're all on the same page at the beginning of the show. When flow started, what was the specific problem that it was trying to address or did address? Like the very, very core thing that was causing problems for women.
1: Yeah. So a few years ago, there weren't really very many period trackers about on the market. And we know I wasn't involved, obviously, back then. I've joined a couple of years ago, but we know that this is something that is a problem for Women, Because, yes, you can have pen and paper and you can keep a note of it, but it's not the same. It's not the same as using some AI, tracking symptoms, being able to predict with a really great accuracy, actually, when your next period is due. So at the core, it began sort of to provide a really user friendly, um, really nice app that's just very easy to track, very easy to predict your cycle. And along with that, okay, it's great to track your cycle. But what about everything else around women's health, including what about all that information, all that content that would be incredibly useful to know? Yeah, great. Your period is a little bit late. What does that mean? What what is late? Is it more than two days, four days for that individual? What's their normal range and what does that mean if they're outside of it? Mm -hmm. It's more heavy this month. What what does that actually mean? What could it mean? When should you go see a doctor? So there's this there's this. Part of women's health where we know people aren't going straight to the doctor with this. You don't go to your GP and say, you know what, I'm two days late today. Is that late? It's very rare for people to book an appointment with that, right?
0: I would also, in in this day and age, I'm not sure necessarily they'd get an appointment all too quickly if that was the only symptom.
1: Uh, Yeah, that also. So, who answers that question? Do you turn to Google, which is actually quite a non specific answer sometimes? You could get quite a generic answer. Do you turn to um, all these uh, sort of like online community Mm -hmm. platforms and get the experience of other people, but they're not necessarily medically credible? Or do you use something like this, which is an app that's medically credible, everything is fact checked, everything is done with doctors all the way through from beginning to end uh, and get more individualized? information let's put it that way it's more individualized to your cycle you are this many days late and this is what it could mean
0: Mm -hmm. okay and what that will make a huge amount of sense to me just again to be I guess potentially more from our listeners who may not have necessarily tracked their menstrual cycle whether they happen to be men or otherwise Um, why is that tracking piece important beyond wanting to know and needing to know Why is it actually really important that women might want to do that or should do that or can do that? And like, I get I get your point, like pen and paper previously nightmare. You know what I mean? Like not going to work very well. And I also understand digital technology allows you to track. But why is it so important that that is there and that what, what, what problems did that specifically solve or does that solve?
1: solves a few problems. One of the problems is the practical side. There's a very practical side to menstruation, which is that you can f- not know when your cycle is, ne- when your period is next due. you, could be out somewhere and you're not prepared. There's that okay. practical side. You haven't got your pads, you haven't got your tampons. And with this, you know, you know roughly when it's going to be, sometimes pretty right. precisely when it's going to be. So there's that practical uh, side of it. But also there's more to it than that because for a long time, women's health hasn't been very, very well researched. And what we're finding is that the symptoms that you experience throughout your cycle are related to your cycle in certain ways. They can also flag certain medical conditions, for example, polycystic ovarian syndrome, having a very irregular cycle. Some people, or many people, I would say, don't know what the basics and what the normals are of a menstrual cycle. We don't learn it. The, health, the education at school is quite poor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't pick up an awful lot from friends, from family. It's been a pretty taboo subject to talk about. But when it's there inside your app, it's there inside your hand, and you can see and you can track and spot when things are changing, when your discharge has changed, when the length, the, the heaviness, so on and so forth has changed – that is incredibly useful because then you can use that information. you can then go to your doctor and say, "Look, it's been irregular the last few times. Could this okay. be something
0: and is that and, and is that how it happens? That's the interaction then with the healthcare provider, which is like actually they because you have that basis of data, you can go to them and actually have that conversation um and feel more confident and they can feel more confident in it.
1: Exactly. And we have this doctor's report, it pulls in all of your data over the last three, six months, even. And then you can see your patterns when you have particular cool. symptoms. Like it, collates it, coll-
0: it, it like collates it into a nice doctor friendly certificate or report.
1: Exactly. Yes. Then you can take that to the doctor. But even before that, you yourself will see that there are changes. And you can then think, okay, maybe this in itself could be a trigger to go and to see someone because again, People think that period pain is normal. People think that PMS symptoms are always normal. And a lot of these things are have been ingrained in us as being very much normal, normal, normal. And we wouldn't go and seek medical advice unless somebody says, actually, this cycle length and the variation, not normal. Actually, right. this period pain, this whatever, perhaps not normal. Go and see somebody about it and find out more.
0: Right. And if you can't track it, then you won't know. Basically. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay. If you can't track it, you won't know.
0: Yeah. That, okay. Well, thank you very much. I think we're all on the same page now, which is great. So let's just go back a few steps. Did you started you started working in the NHS as a GP? Yes. Quite. You know. And and what prompted that? What inspired you to be a doctor?
1: Uh, well, my parents are doctors. Is that a terrible answer? No, I don't. I don't know. There are a lot I mean, of people know, that I, feel yeah, the same.
0: My there's parents... no yes or no. I don't know. There's, yeah. There's good, I don't know. It's whatever. Whatever the truth is, I guess.
1: That's the truth. My parents are doctors. I have to be honest, I really didn't know anything else. I loved writing. I loved marketing, which always sounds really weird when I say that as a child, I loved marketing. I really loved marketing. I loved looking and scrutinizing the packaging on everything and TV advertisements and being fascinated that you can take something and advertise it and promote it in all these various ways. So I, I really enjoyed those. But to be honest, I didn't really know anything very different other than medicine. My parents were doctors, my grandparents were doctors. I went down the medical route and I loved Dobbs and Gynae. I loved okay. it. It was my absolute favourite. And my mum, who was a surgeon, but then converted and became a GP later in life, she mm-hmm. told me I was absolutely bonkers and said, uh, you will never sleep another night again. So I recommend if you want to look after women and children, go do general practice. And I thought, okay, General practice. That's, it that's is
0: for you. So, what was it? What was it about Obzengani that you that you that really spoke to you?
1: It was, it was a combination of things. I thought it was very it was something very practical about Obzengani. It was this is it. This is the organ. This is what changes. This is what happens. This is how we fix it. Right. I I I, don't, I, I really understood it. I felt like I understood it very well. Okay. Um, I also had various experiences earlier in childhood with family members, also with myself, where I I found that there was such a huge gap in knowledge around menstrual health, women's health, and I wished that I'd known more or I wish my grandma had known more. Um so this inc- includes, you know, gynecological cancers um and so on. So mm. that also I think is partly what also drove me towards it. And obviously I loved pregnancy. I really enjoyed it. It was a very positive albeit sometimes terrifying vibe uh it was wonderful being in the delivery room I got a real buzz out of it yeah so it was a nice nice specialty
0: okay and so how was your time in general practice I guess that's kind of you know quite a broad statement but you know good bits bad bits yeah
1: yeah began began great I loved it as a doctor I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread I, I also discovered in my GP training I loved mental health Uh, And great to be able to, you know, a good significant chunk of the workload was mental health. So I absolutely loved it. Um, The more senior I got, the more I guess I worked and the more exposed I was, and also the more uh, solo I was. I, I don't think there's nothing ever to me has felt quite as solo as being a GP. And it's you and that patient. And it's one after the other after the other coming in, and it's your brain and your decision. And once they've left your door, they've left your door they're mm. not on a ward there's no monitoring right. there's no immediate investigation um so that was great and there was a, a great challenge but at the same time the more senior you get become in general practice the more of that responsibility that you have and it, it became very very it became really difficult really draining this burnout that people talk about i very much experienced burnout emotionally uh physically like mm absolutely everything uh put that together with three small children as well I had three under the age of four at the time wow, that's I tough finished training so it was yeah it was really difficult very stressful um yeah began great towards okay. the end really hard
0: and do you think that like was w- when you were there were you starting to see some of the warning signs that are now sort of coming like coming to fruition coming to fruition is not the right thing not the right phrase but sort of the you know emergency situation that we have now in the uk yeah Yeah.
1: i i feel like i was experiencing that even then i feel like this, this situation even then i i feel like i was so overwhelmed and so busy and that the best time i can think of is firefighting i was firefighting a lot of the time um so to imagine that things have gotten worse. I'm obviously not in the UK anymore. I relocated to Cyprus, so I don't know. I keep up as much as I can, but I don't know how sure. much more it has changed. But to hear that it is it is very difficult right now, I know how hard it felt even five years ago. So mm. I can't imagine if it's harder now, how it must be for people.
0: What would have I don't know, did anyone did you see anyone when you were a GP or or, or... In, in your practice where you had someone coming in using flow or, or come in and been like this is my information or like had you been exposed to it at that point on like the front line before you sort of started working there?
1: Yes so to flow I had in that respect when I was an obs and gynae trainee well not trainee, okay. doing part of my GP training obs and gyne, yes in routine clinic people coming this is how it's been this is what it's like this is what my cycle <laughs> looks like okay. so yes Also, in general practice as well. Yeah. So I had been exposed to it. And also, I personally had started tracking my own cycle uh, also a few years actually before I joined Flow.
0: Okay. Um, And you were generally, it sounds like kind of reasonably positive towards it, right? When people were coming in and doing that, you felt positive about the fact that they were doing it. There wasn't, did it, actually, sorry, a different way to ask the question. Did anyone have an issue with it or is it just generally net positive? Is there any like counter argument as to why you should? Be doing it three downsides doing it
1: to tracking your cycle yeah like because i know so, so
0: I, i'll give you a good backstory like we, we have people on the show doing that they've come up with various different innovations or businesses or so on and launching a new company or a new pathway or a new solution within an existing healthcare system generally speaking there generally tends to be a counter argument somewhere as to like why this won't work or I don't like it or I won't use it. Or like, I'm just curious if that was, if you experienced any of that.
1: I haven't faced that. And actually we talk to a lot of doctors and we have a lot of obstetricians and gynecologists and lots of other specialists that we work with and that are involved in checking our content too. And no, I never have, because what's the other option? And the other option is it's, it's the pen and paper
0: but well, yeah. you bring in or, or you don't like the other you don't at nothing. all
1: and that is the most frustrating for everybody there are instagram reels out there all over the shop just about this really? exact problem the obstetrician gynecologist asking when was your last period and you're sort of sitting there looking into space waiting for some miracle to come because it's so it's not easy to remember so definitely yeah. I think even for doctors it's been incredibly useful for people to be able to have it very easy to find the dates are very easy to find
0: I think that's really interesting. Like 50% of the population, give or take, right? You know, roughly, I assume. Like 51, all, I think Okay, okay, <laughs> sure, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like around there, <laughs> plus or minus, have this like ongoing baseline benefit slash need to tracking a particular thing that actually it turns out is like relatively simple to keep track of if you have the right tooling and, and platform and products and stuff like that that actually turns out that the healthcare system really likes you to track it and keep a track of it. And like, it's sort of, it almost, it's a bit strange that it like took until whenever it was that Flow and the other tracker started to, it it took until smartphone technology, I guess, sort of took off for it to be able to be done. I just think that's kind of interesting, right? Like we lived for hundreds of years without there being any other solution. And, you know, women were just sort of left to kind of suffer and swing in the wind.
1: And it's very win-win for everybody for the user it's also win-win it's for the great for the doctor too and that's yeah. why it's such a popular app and it's so hugely downloaded and and does so well
0: yeah. I, I think that's really interesting actually because you know and i've we've experienced this at pocdoc and i'm sure loads of innovators in the health technology space have, 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 have felt it you know like for example i know the company went to babylon had this right where they were one of the pioneers around virtual gps right Like on the paper, people should like that. But there was a very strong cohort of people, GPs and healthcare professionals that really did not like that, you know, and they were really against that for quite a while. Whereas in this instance, it kind of seems like everyone's sort of like, yeah, this just makes a lot of sense to do. (laughs) There's not really a huge like, you know, I don't know, counter narrative to it, which I think is really interesting and unusual. Yeah,
1: it does make sense. And you've got to do it well, though. You need to have doctors involved. There needs to be a lot of thought, a lot of research behind it. Uh, But absolutely, if you've got the right people there at the table involved and ideating these ideas and putting it together, then yes, it's brilliant. It's a wonderful solution. So many people I know are using Flow everywhere I go.
0: Well, I mean,
1: that room does. Yeah, it's
0: quite. Yeah, (laughs) it seems to have quite a lot. But before the show, I kind of asked around, in a not weird way you know what I mean it's not like you want to be like you know just (laughs) just just checking in with you with you what tracker you're using but it was fine it was all fine um and and generally there seemed to be a pretty high awareness of 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 it um but we have to go for a quick commercial break now but after the break I want to pick up on that very specific thing that you said which is yes it's good to do but you have to do it well there have to be doctors involved and so on and so forth. And that like more digging into this role of medical accuracy, because I think that that topic particularly is very much part of the current zeitgeist, which is you can find a huge amount of information out there across a range of different things. I know we're talking about one specific thing now or a sort of subsection of things around women's health, menstrual health, um, reproductive health, but actually why is it critical that you have that role in any of these type of businesses? So I think we can get into that after the break. Um We'll be back. After a quick commercial break, with Dr. Claudia Pastides, the Director of Medical Accuracy for Flow Health, we'll be right back. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. good, good. Apples and pears, beef and skittles, cider with Rosie, common or garden, ant and deck. Fish and chips, mum and dad. UK love Health Brother. Radio and Health Strawberry. Triangle magazine. Each is good by itself, but enjoying My both is always better. Add it's Health point. Triangle magazine to so your fast. monthly health Speaking regime. Check Thank it out judge. at UKHealthRadio.com. Strawberries and cream. Once upon a time... Human slavery was just a fact of life. Right now, animal abuse is often considered normal. In time, it won't be. Animal Aid campaigns peacefully against all forms of animal abuse and promotes cruelty-free living. Check out animalaid.org.uk. It's time for a kinder world. The station that makes you feel good. Good, good. Hello, and welcome back to this week's Health Tech Hour. With me, Steve Roos, and my guest this week, Dr. Claudia Pastides, who's the director of medical accuracy at Flow Health. Right. So before the break, you said something which was that tracking is universally considered to be a good idea around menstrual health, but you have to do it well, you have to do it properly, you have to be doctors involved. Could you elaborate a little bit on exactly why that is the case, and why, and what exactly that role is within that within Flow that makes it just more than just a tracker?
1: So why you need to have doctors involved, in... or how, or
0: how, like when you know? I'll I'll, I'll let you answer the question. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. When is all the way? everywhere in every single part in even from the ideation part coming up with ideas and thinking what would be a great feature to add what would be a great piece of content to include there there is a it's a great idea always to have someone medical because they have a very unique perspective they are people themselves and they have experience obviously as human beings themselves yeah. but they also have that amazing added value I believe of having looked after thousands and thousands of people thousands mm-hmm. of unique individuals in whatever healthcare setting that they were in so I think it's really useful to have a doctor involved somewhere in the earlier stages too when it comes to to health tech related ideation content whatever else but also checking because ultimately you put all these amazing creative brains together and you get all the engineers and you make something fabulous but you need to make sure that that end product is safe that it's accurate medically mm-hmm. And it's very rare for everybody else in the company to also have a medical degree. There aren't going to be lots of people who are multi skilled, are engineers and have a medical degree, so can can understand yeah. from the engineering side from the health side as well. So you need to have doctors involved to check as well at the end, before, even before you release, long before you release, various iterations along the way. Is this right? Could this be done better? Is it as accurate as possible? Is it based on the best quality research? Mm-hmm. Is it guideline based? And what is the risk? Like, what is the actual risk to this individual? Because you imagine, I always say the same thing, but you press send on, let's say, an article, because articles are predominantly, and content is predominantly what I work in in, in the app. You press send and you send this article to those 48 million monthly active users potentially will put their eyeballs on that article.
0: Yeah.
1: Is safe? Is what you've said there as safe as possible? Is there any medical risk to that? Have you thought about it well enough from as many angles as possible to suit as many individuals as possible?
0: Mm. I I believe. I think that's really interesting, right? Because that must lead to some really interesting discussions. Because there's, 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 there's there's, sometimes there's a definitive answer, right? Like I don't know what it might be, but there's something where it's like clearly black or white. But I would imagine in a lot of instances that's not necessarily the case, and so it might be the case for. 60 percent of the audience but not for 40 percent of the audience or like under certain circumstances yes and certain circumstances no so how do you kind of deal with that
1: it's it's one of our biggest challenges because also we're global right Right. we're not just in the UK we're also in the US we're also in Brazil we're also in all these other places so it is a humongous challenge every article everything that we write or every widget or whatever it is that we do inside the app Mm -hmm. We need to consider also globally how appropriate is it? And you might find a guideline. I can give you the most simple example is uh, how often will a period come? So period uh, cycle length. Cycle length in the UK is said to be 23 to 35 days is normal. In the US? It's 21 to 35 days. So even there, when you create your algorithm on what is a normal cycle, what do you go with? 23 to 35, 21 to 35. Ah, oh, but in the yeah. audiences, it's 21 to 45. So should we swallow them too? Or should we make a separate segment for the young ones? All of this, all of this yeah. is so complicated. And that's why it's so great. We've got an internal medical team because we pull all the data, all the information, everything. We sit and we have to make a decision and we make the best possible decision that we can using, yes, our medical experience and all these guidelines together. And that's the way it has to be. that mm-hmm. There is no other way. And this is the best way that we found to do it.
0: And what how do, what's the interplay between what you decide as individuals and you curate as individuals on the platform, whether that be features or um, articles or advice or guidance versus what's originated by some kind of ai or machine learning or you know algorithm how does that kind of interplay between each other
1: you mean how is what we create different from if you were
0: yeah i mean more like i'm guessing well i might be wrong but there'll be some instances on the platform where it's an algorithm that's providing you based off of the information that you provide to flow or the app there is some information that's generated by algorithms That information may be curated by individuals. It may not be curated by individuals, but there'll also be a whole nother set of information that's purely originated by individuals. And I guess I'm just interested about the interplay and what which 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 sort of who does what and how that kind of works together. Yeah,
1: That's a good question. We actually have two medical directors. And now you've put it that way. I now realise why. (laughs) (laughs) It makes so much sense. I'll have to tell our chief medical officer that this must be why, because. There's myself who looks after the content side, and that's internal content, external content, PR, social media, all of this. And I have Mm -hmm. a team of doctors who uh, work in my team there. And then we have another director and his role and his team's role is more to look at that, to look at the algorithms and to make sure that everything there is okay and as good as possible. So and as safe as possible. So I'm the medical director for um, Accuracy. And Mm -hmm. he is for safety (laughs) and the safety medical director deals more with that side of things. So I think
0: that that's a really interesting way of phrasing it, actually. I think that makes a lot of sense, which is it's a more like check and a balance that the automated systems or the algorithmic systems are working safely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So what um, what are the kind of really exciting things that flow is able to do beyond just tracking? your cycle because I know there's quite a lot that you are have done are doing that is way beyond just tracking
1: yeah exactly right so yes there's the tracking and tracking your symptoms so not just tracking your cycle but it's all the symptoms and being able to see when those how those symptoms fluctuate and if there's patterns for you with those Mm -hmm. of those symptoms through your cycle also uh, if you're trying to conceive there's an arm of the app let's say there's a part of the app that is Helps you if you're trying to conceive, tells you when you're likely to ovulate, the things to look out for, and so on. Uh, there's also the pregnancy side of the app, and this will mean from when you realise that you're pregnant all the way to through to delivery, you'll be able to see what's de- how your baby's developing and what's happening to your body as well, and what may be normal, what may not be, and so on and so forth. So there's that part as well. We've got a teens part too. So the way we speak to and like I mentioned, what is a normal cycle for a teen? It's different from Mm -hmm. what is for a non-teen. So the algorithms there are different. The content there also is different. So these are some of the things, but all of these are based more around tracking and numbers and data. Alongside that, we've got articles and alongside that, we also look at patterns Two. so we look at the patterns of the symptoms and you can see on the home screen if you scroll down you can see that in this particular phase you've logged the last three months this particular symptom every time and that can be really useful as well Mm -hmm. is it normal for me is it not normal for me or should i take this to my doctor we've also got because i think this is really important when it comes to to health is yes your doctor or your app can tell you all of these things but sometimes you want to speak someone else who's in the same boat as you whether they're pregnant trying to conceive just tracking their cycle so there's a community part also to the app and it's an anonymous community app where people can post whatever questions they want have a chat with each other and just have a general laugh it's a great place to look for um a lot of really really great entertaining comments but also people support each other a lot through all these various stages of life and i think that's also really important it is moderated yes i was gonna say
0: yeah
1: well, we've got a medical advisor that's dedicated to that whole side uh, of the okay. app as well. So we're very careful. We have medical experts comment as well. So you'll say somebody will ask something. We will often have a medical experts comment pulled into the, the very popular, the more busy threads to set, to sort of lay the ground. Actually, this is this is the case. This is what medical evidence says or this you need to know as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's that part also. Have I missed anything? Oh,
0: that's there's quite a big part. list.
1: There's loads Sorry. of social media.
0: Okay, loads <laughs> of no, social bad. media. All right,
1: there's a lot. <laughs> okay,
0: um, but do you find interestingly do you do you find that's probably I don't know ha- in the markets that you're in, which are UK, US, Brazil, you mentioned a few. Um, do you actually have to try and persuade any women? or persuade women more generally that tracking is a good idea? Are you still having that conversation? Or is that sort of a, a bit of a done and dusted one and it's more about how and where and what they use and keeping up with it? Or like what, I'm just curious about what sort of stage you feel like the the, the situation is at. Do
1: um, you know what? I wish I had the stats to hand. The stats that I can remember because I don't want to tell you uh, wrong information, but the stats I can remember is that in young or not young teens, 18 to 19 year old teens in the UK, one in two use flow. I hope I've got that right. But 50%, wow. which, is,
0: 50%. which is amazing.
1: And that to me shows you, and that's use flow. The other 50%, I don't know what else they use. But that's but I incredible
0: market penetration. That's yeah, incredible.
1: But I, but I doubt these other 50% use nothing. I think right. actually they also use something just perhaps not, not flow. So yeah. Uh, I don't think we need to have that conversation, certainly with, I don't want to say younger women, because I consider myself very young, <laughs> but certainly. <laughs> yeah,
0: with I mean, women under not, the we age, won't get into that one. But yes, <laughs> I would. yeah, let's just say yes, yes.
1: Women under the age of 30, we don't really need to have that conversation with. And the okay. market penetration there is pretty awesome. Women mm-hmm. over the age of 30 or over the age of 35, I think we can still have that conversation and what's most interesting about this group is that they are the group that in many ways are most interested in tracking and knowing what's going on and feel like they want to be really in tune but for whatever reason they're not using apps as much as Mm -hmm. the the younger again inverted commas
0: Uh, (laughs) i I mean if we've got i mean if, if 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 those numbers are right you know the truth but if, and this might be the case and i just don't know which which is possible but is there are you working with the nhs in any way shape or form or because obviously i'm, I'm, I'm I like i know that they just did the first digital therapeutic which was sleepio i'm like i again don't know much about this market if if if, if anything at all so i don't want to sound like a complete muppet but i i, I would suspect that if 50 percent of Women under eighteen and using this to manage their cycles and so on and so forth. There's just an inherent benefit there, and so I, I guess I'm just curious as to whether you feel like that's a pathway or or not really.
1: I'm not sure if this is something is, that's been explored actually. It's kind it's of interesting, right? Sure
0: it's like I, I, like I don't. Know. I mean, obviously they don't have cash to spare, clearly, right? But but you know, I just um I think it's kind of interesting because clearly huge volumes of people are using it or using some form of tracking. And there must be some kind of health benefit, mental health, physical health that then has downstream impacts and benefits in the healthcare system. I just think it, I, I don't know. I just I think it's kind of kind of okay. interesting. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm sure you're right. You have to remember also that the app, the tracking functionality of the app. So the very core of it is free. Anybody could use it freely. There's no cost. So you can download right. that.
0: Right. That's, you can use okay. it to track
1: your cycle right. freely anyway. And you're able to take that to your doctor and you can look back through your cycles and see when your last period was and so on and so forth. Uh, but the complimentary stuff, like a lot of the articles, I completely forgot to mention we've got chatbots. We've got these okay. virtual assistants and Sadiq will kill me because these are his baby.
0: <laughs> OK, sorry, Sadiq. Let's <laughs> he's let's the medical get the director of safety. you
1: have to get him back to, to okay. balance out uh, what okay. Flo's actually about.
0: These there bits,
1: are. Uh, these bits are the paid parts of the apps, access to the content, the chat bots, and so on. But the tracking side of it is is free.
0: Okay, um, and so with the with the group, I, I, I don't know if you saw, but there was an article, some articles published, I think last week around um, Childline in the UK, which is a big charity, uh, children's charity, and they were coming in for some criticism because someone had done a meta-analysis of their online forums um, around, uh, it was, they have done some meta-analysis, and I I can't remember the the statistics, but the general gist of it was um, there were younger people presenting with questions around gender, gender identity, and that they were being coached, allegedly coached, in lots of instances in supposedly moderated forums around certain decisions around gender identity and things like that. How how do you guys think about sort of safeguards and things like that for that team community? Or can they not access the forums? Or how how do you guys think about that stuff?
1: Uh, Around checking and monitoring the forums? Yeah, well, I
0: I could imagine. Well, again, I can imagine that that young young people questions around menstrual cycles may be bundled up with certain questions around gender identity in certain instances and certain decisions around treatments or whatever it might be. There might also these these things might get conflated in some instances. I see what you mean. And so I'm just interested to see what I'm using that as an example to explore the safeguarding for the younger people. That's yeah of
1: course. No, so it is very much moderated. Actually the main thing that we are very careful about is that what is put there is not seen as medical advice. And that can be actually really frustrating for our moderators. And this is something that we come across very often because they, the the best bit about the community is freely being able to speak and say what you want. And that's the engaging bit and the funny bit and the personal story. But it's very easy for something to be misconstrued as medical advice from people who don't have any medical background, any medical credibility. And so we have actually a very, very, very low threshold. Right. We do have a very low threshold to just be extra, super careful in the the comments that people put there, that they are as safe as possible, aren't providing any medical guidance or information that can be misinterpreted by people. So we take we take that responsibility very seriously, mm. and everything that goes out there, even the questions, for example, that are put to get conversations going. Go via the medical advisors, especially when they are medical feeling in in context.
0: That sounds like a huge amount of work.
1: It is a huge amount of work.
0: Keep on top of that. That sounds and that's
1: why it's so frustrating to the moderating team and to the team there is very frustrating, and there is a desire sometimes to relax things a bit to also get conversation going, not to relax things a bit so that things go all haywire, but just to get conversation going. But you have to balance, right? And when it comes to the medical safety and medical accuracy side of things, yeah, we, we have to balance it a bit more in favor of of being as, as safe as possible.
0: And do you think that's one of the things that differ? again, I don't know the market all that well, but is that one of the, that, that emphasis on medical accuracy, professionalism, high level of clinical accuracy, is that something that differentiates flow from other possible potential people who are in the tracking space?
1: Yeah, we have a huge, huge onus on medical credibility, on accuracy, on safety. Absolutely huge. And it's really important to us. And actually the way we produce everything isn't just us, it's also using medical experts, so other consultants who are clinically practicing from all around the world to also advise us and also review and check stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we we take the medical credibility and accuracy side of things super, super carefully. But I think what also differentiates us It's not just that. It's that happy marriage. I think that flow does really well, which is why I love working there so much is where we're able to balance being fun and being engaging and making people want to come back and read something and check something out with the medical credibility. And that is really hard. It's really Mm -hmm. hard to do. But I think we do that really well. And I think because we do that really well, the app does so well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, which is. How do you. Because it's not just a tracker; it's a platform, it's a community, it's it's ongoing advice, it's it's a it's a a website, a brand, a, a, you know, a, a choice for people to interact with it and go on it. It's almost like a social media platform in and of itself, without certain features, you know. Anyway, but but that like level of engagement, right, which is really hard to do in digital health or in health generally. Because a lot of the time you're dealing with an acute problem. And once that acute problem solved, then why would I continue to need to talk about it until I have my next acute problem? And some of these problems are not problems that people necessarily want to talk about all that much. You know, so I think it's really, really interesting that you guys have managed to crack that at the scale that you have done.
1: Yeah, so the tracking as well, because we can see when our users most come in, it's that time when they're expecting their period or when they log their period, you get a, an influx of people at that point, And that's an amazing point to share lots of information about all sorts of other things, including sexual health, for example, right. where do you go to get that information? You want to search for something in particular, you don't want to Google it because you don't know what's going to come up, especially when it comes to sexual health stuff. Yeah. Where are you going to go? Actually, there it is. So we can present a lot of this information to people, Opportunity also when they're there tracking their cycle and we talk about stuff in the same way all the time like in the same medically credible but as engaging as possible way whether you're talking about uh, you know sex female ejaculation and whatever else or whether you're talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome and uh, trying to conceive and ovulation and what you can look out for we talk about everything is non-taboo safe space come feel very welcome to read about all these things that you don't learn about at school still feels very taboo and people don't like to talk about it very much. Right. And here it is in the most engaging and interesting way that we, we can do it.
0: Okay. I think on, we're going to pick up on some of that stuff after the next commercial break. So we're going to go into our final part of the show um, with Dr. Claudia Pestidis from um, Flow Health. We'll be right back after two minutes of commercial break. <laughs> The station that makes you feel good animal aid campaigns peacefully against all forms of animal
1: abuse and promotes cruelty-free living we've been doing
0: this for over forty years every year more and more people are living satisfying lives, completely cruelty-free. Check out animalaid.org.uk. It's time for a kinder world.
1: A cancer diagnosis can be scary and stressful for everyone involved. Hello Love is a contemporary living space and well-being centre in central London where anyone can come and learn about illness prevention and non-toxic practice. Inside, you will find a vegan restaurant, Juice Bar and Holistic Dojo that
0: encourage lifestyle changes to help heal mind, body, and spirit connection. Cancer patients are offered free sessions. To find out more, please visit us at hellolove.org. UK Health Radio, the station that makes you feel good. Hello and welcome back to this week's Healthic Hour with me, Steve Bruce, and my guest today, Dr. Claudia Pastides from Flow Health. This is the final part of the show. I want to kind of pick up on a thread from the just before the break, where you sort of explained that Flow Health was a platform where people can come and talk about or lear- learn about uh, subjects that might be taboo, or or there might not be they might not be taught about in school, or their parents might not want to talk about it. And that led me on to one of my one of the questions I wanted to ask, which is, h- how do you deal with view or think about different standards of conservatism conservativism or um, social norms in different countries um, around the area of women's health i don't know if you are in a country where women's health isn't necessarily is, is something that's even more taboo than potentially in the uk or the us or like one country or country that would be considered Extremely conservative, I don't know, but I think it's. In, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on on that.
1: You know, there's a lot of conservatism in the UK. There That's is true. a lot That's of true. conservatism in the US. My goodness, we did a health uh, misinformation report very recently, and we asked 2,000 women in the US and 2,000 women in the UK. I tried to find where the gaps are in their knowledge and where, uh, you know, what things are still remaining taboo. Huge numbers are ashamed uh, to talk about or even engage in masturbation. Are embarrassed to talk about sex to their partner and what they like. Uh, many women think that con, uh, not condoms, uh, sorry, um, tampons will loosen your vagina, and having lots of sex will do the same. There's so much misinformation. It's it's unbelievable. Still, you know, even now. And how we deal with conservatism. So we see, again, like we saw from these reports, that there are still gaps. And these gaps, I believe, can be really harmful. I really think it can be very harmful if you've got all these taboos and you're worried about something getting loose and you think nipple hair is abnormal and you don't want to talk about sex. It can be negative. It can be really harmful for you. Mm -hmm. So we are pretty unapologetically. This is how it is. Here right. it is, We've got amazing sex therapists, and they will talk to you about sex and orgasms. And they will talk to you about that because the world in if you look at the definition of what actually is reproductive health, it includes pleasurable sex, it is part of the definition of reproductive health. It's not just your menstrual cycle and right. medical conditions. That's a big part of it. Yeah, so we're, we're very, yeah, unapologetically, here it is, here's the information, and and I guess in a, the good thing about it is that if you don't like it and if you don't enjoy it, you don't have to use it either. So we, people have the freedom to engage or not to engage. And if they don't like our approach and the way we speak about things, they, of course, have the freedom not to. But our goal is to make it as universally accessible as possible to use language that's as accessible as possible, because we have feedback. (laughs) I read feedback every single day because I love reading user feedback. imagine we've got all these millions of users. You can imagine how much feedback we get. I love reading the feedback and seeing people from all sorts of parts of the world saying, thank you so much for sharing this information about, let's say, sex, if we're going down that route, because nobody here talks about that. Nobody told me what I might expect. Nobody told me what's normal or what, what, how it might feel or so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, we're pretty unapologetically very open about everything to demystify it and remove the taboo as much as possible.
0: I Yeah, I can see that. And I think that there's huge value. This is one of the, this is for me, one of the real value adds of digital health because it transcends national boundaries. and. It's around massively increasing access, and it's opting in. You're not forcing it on anybody, but also you're providing a huge amount of medical oversight, clinical oversight, accuracy, professionalism. So it's not just kind of like, you know, willy nilly. Well, it's probably a bad pun, but the um, <laughs> it's
1: sorry. a very appropriate pun. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: a very, very appropriate <laughs> pun. It's um, it's um, it's it's done in a very uh, very professional manner as opposed to sort of scandalous yeah. or trying to scandalize or trying to disrupt or you know put people's nose out of joint so one of the things I so do you know to, what, what countries is it kind of officially available in so to speak where you're on the app stores in those countries is it it's a lot I assume
1: this is Probably. terrible I can't I can't list them all off for you there are loads but and I can loads. tell you that there's French also and there's German so we, we also translate into various languages so the the, the penetration is even wider <laughs> not just oh, point. <laughs> yeah. it's not just uh UK and US English okay yeah. so it, it's in what well, it's in lots and lots of countries I, I can't believe list, including yeah. in Africa and in Brazil and in yeah. France. So, yeah so, no so I,
0: I would suspect but I don't know that you've got people in countries where it's probably not available on the app store, but they're accessing it through a VPN app or something like that, you know, like Saudi or, yeah. you know, some of these places that are more traditional. And, you know, I bet you there are people doing that because otherwise, how do you find out about this, this stuff to your point? Like you can't, it's not like you can go and necessarily have a chat, you know, with people about it in the coffee shop. I don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's one of the nicest things. When I was at medical school, I loved, uh, Health promotion. I love public health. I was the person that would go to to the lectures in the morning on epidemiology when everybody else would term it "epidemi holiday." <laughs>
0: <was> like,
1: <laughs> Guys, this is the best bit! Like, how can you be missing out on this information? This is so exciting that you are able to do something that can impact so many people on such a large scale. Being a doctor and doing your one to one is fabulous, but also there's something great about being able to step back, look at the wider picture. And do something that can impact so many people in one go. And that's what I love here is that you are able to, with all your thought and all your creativity, create something that can be positive for somebody's health, positive for somebody's female health. And we we research this and we know we can see that almost 90 percent, I think it's 89 percent of our users feel far more knowledgeable about their menstrual health once they've used Flow, 85% of pregnant users are much more knowledgeable about pregnancy after they started using Flow. Mm. So it's, of course, because the information's there, the articles are there, and it's stuff that you otherwise would not come across so easily or so medically credibly.
0: No, I also think there's an element where ignorance is sort of inherited, or in, in the sense of, you, you know, if your mother or your, you know, older Aunt or whoever you would deem as the people that you would otherwise get the information from if they don't have the information to begin with then you know that kind of flows downwards in the same way that you might not be able to pass it on downwards either so this represents a really good way to get access to that information yeah
1: absolutely and misinformation is passed down yes that's
0: true yeah.
1: Who who would you who can you speak to, and how easy is it to speak to somebody about this stuff that unfortunately is still being considered taboo for so long? Periods are still depicted very often as blue in many places. You can't even see that it is red. In case I don't know, you offend someone. I'm not sure.
0: Right. <laughs> you know? Is it like is it like is it Make like, like they, used, they used to do those nappy adverts? I don't know if you remember them back in the yeah. day where they would pour that blue liquid on. Yes. Was, yeah. You know, yeah. To make it Plus, like you couldn't show real. So, I don't know. Weird.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't possibly show what it really is. And you think, oh, but why why would you want to show that it's red blood? It's too, you know, what what are you trying to do? You're just trying to, you know, provoke people. No. Actually, if you see something as a thin, light blue liquid in a pad, as a 12, 13, even younger, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old girl whose period hasn't started. And you look at that and you never really see because your mom's not going to show you, perhaps school isn't going to talk about it or show you what to expect. It's really scary when you first get your period and you think, oh, my God, what is this? You had absolutely no idea what to expect. And it's a bodily process that pretty much every woman goes through every single month. (laughs) For
0: a really long time.
1: For a really long time. It's just one of the most common things. But but it's an awkward thing to talk about even now it's still an awkward thing to talk about so yeah it's great to be able to be a part of busting some of those myths making people feel comfortable talking about their female health because ultimately you're more empowered to get help to go and see a doctor if you need to to find out if that actually is something that you could have treatment for it's
0: yeah. not just normal yeah yeah really- and I think P- PCOS is a, is a really Good one there. And we've done a couple of shows on that where I think the the from the, the guest that we had on said on sort of was on our on average like eight or nine doctors appointments before a diagnosis of that, yeah. which is yeah.
1: seven know, which years. years.
0: But, yeah. Yeah.
1: Seven years for endometriosis, sometimes even right. more, sometimes even more than twelve. Uh, so, yeah, it just goes to show you how normalised a lot of female health symptoms are. And I think if you're aware of them and you're tracking them and you know what's normal and what's not, you're much more likely to get help earlier.
0: I, I I completely agree. So in the last few minutes of the show, I think what's clear to me, obviously, knowing you and speaking to you is that you 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 clearly value content as a pathway to greater education and understanding and awareness and you did some work with the ITV as a a media medical, TV doctor, like what is it that you, and I know that you've spoken on other platforms about the value of content and, and why you believe in it, but why do you think it's so important and powerful?
1: I think it's important and powerful because it's the best way to convey information. The best way to convey information is through really, not just good quality, medically accurate content, but engaging and memorable content. Because exactly as you said earlier, people very often they'll go and seek advice for the problem they have at that point in time and then it's gone and that's it. Mm-hmm. But if you put information out there in a way that is also memorable, it's also engaging, it might stick with you. It might stick with you. And then when you see somebody experience that symptom or when you yourself later notice something, you will think back to that and you will have learned something valuable. You will remember it and you'll be able to use it to help you or to help somebody else. So for for me... I think having really great quality medical content is just hugely, hugely important and a great adjunct to healthcare as a whole, because you're going to go to your doctor now and again. What about that 99.9% of the time you are not seeing your doctor? If the better the quality content you have that you can turn to, all the better to support you or to help guide you in all that time.
0: And and did you come to this organically or did you kind of have an epiphany type moment about that? I just
1: loved it. No, I just I I always loved I love content. I loved exactly like I said about the marketing. I love taking something and and jazzing it up. And that's always been ever since I was very small. I like to have something and make it better or more engaging or more fun or more interesting. Uh, And. I just started playing around on social media because I really enjoyed it when it started becoming more popular and there weren't so many doctors on social media and I was enjoying it. I was playing yeah. around about I don't know, 12 years ago now. And with that, I realized how much traction that had, how many people were were interested actually in talking about health, but in this kind of more open and more uh, lighthearted way and not just the one-to-one doctor in the room, you know, and nobody ever right. hears and nobody yeah and i realized it was people really loved it and i also really enjoyed it too so that's kind of how i fell down
0: there you go great well look claudia we've come to the end of the show thank you so much for coming on it was great and where do people go if they want to get flow for those very few people that don't have it just download flo from the app store
1: yep just look in the app store google play store on the website
0: perfect well dr claudia Pastides from flow health thank you very much for coming on the show Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back again next week. in the room was platinum and gold eyes Dancing, catching right, eye, you be been mesmerized, though but Find the corner there, your hands in my head Finally we're here, so why? Saying you got to flight, need an early night, no Don't go yet Oh yeah